So good to be back in Minnesota when it's not cold. Yesterday is amazing. I want to welcome all those watching online. Can we give it up for all of our campuses and those watching online? Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm your uncle. Uh, I'm Uncle Jimmy. And uh, well, What is up, Substance? It's Pastor Peter Haas here. I'm actually in Birmingham, Alabama with my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands. And Pastor Chris, it's such an honor. Uh, where palm trees, you wake up to vacation every day. It's pretty cool. And uh, But I'm excited. I've got a word from the Lord today. And this is, fr this is literally hot off the presses. I wrote this yesterday on the plane here uh, because, like, I, I, I was with uh, Pastor Carolyn at a student conference in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And so she was uh, preaching and I was preaching. And, and she's like, you better preach a good word at my church. I was like, I got you, I got you. I got you, girl. I got you. So, uh, so, so I'm going to preach kind of out of my heart and what God is doing inside of me uh, right now. And, uh, and then we're going to jump in. But today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about, like, you know, the generation of young people that, that are in this world today, the TikTokers and the, and the Snapchatters and the, and the young people. And with all this creativity and vitality and ready to change the world in this rebellion. Come on, somebody. You got teenagers. This, 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 just how do we nurture and how do we raise these young people and, and, and what's behind that and what's at stake. And so I'm going to talk to you uh, today from a message uh, called Get There First. Can someone say Get There First? Get, get There First. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm kind of a competition guy. I, I, I like to win. You know, if we're playing cornhole, I want to win. If we're playing cards, I want to win, uh, but there's something that 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 I that I really don't do anymore. I don't know if you guys do. It's kind of race. I don't know if you can tell I'm not a runner. Why, why y'all laughing? Why, what's he laughing at? Like I'm not a runner, and and uh, in fact, like Irene and I, uh, we started a nonprofit track and field club years and years ago, and and uh, and it was kind of crazy that at these like events they would have the parents relay, and the parents relay was like after, if you will. The, the regular track and field, uh, you know, youth, you know, events. And, and it was crazy, like, how many parents would pull a muscle? Come on. And, you know, and, and how many parents shouldn't be running? Like, and, like, you're, you're running, but you fell flat on your face. Now you need to go to the hospital. Like, stretch. So I'm like, I'm never, they were like, are you going to run in the parents' relay? No, if y'all had a Nathan hot dog eating contest, I'm your guy. But, but we're not doing that. But I found myself in a race uh, around Christmas time. Uh, it was at H&M, and we were buying some clothes and for the kids for Christmas, and, and, uh, and I was, I was kind of done shopping, and, I, and the line was long, but the line had kind of dissipated, and, and I looked over, uh, and there was a lady, and I, and, and, and I could tell she was kind of done too, and, and I just wanted to beat her. I wanted to beat her to the register, um, and so it was on. Now, she didn't know she was in a race, but... But I knew she was in a race, and I just wanted to win. Like, I wanted to beat her. And first, before I talked trash, I had to make sure she didn't go to my church. And, and, um, <laughs> and after that, you know, and, and, and so it was like on. Like, I could, hear the, I could hear the Mission Impossible music, you know, like, dun, 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 dun. and I'm dashing, not dashing, but kind of scurrying, kind of um, moving along quickly uh, through the aisles. And I beat her, y'all, and I was like, and like, and I didn't want to, I didn't know if I should talk trash because I felt like I won at something. I kind of looked back at her like, yeah, what's up? Like, like, she probably thought I was flirting. I'm like, I'm taking. You know what I mean? Like, but 
I was also in another race. I was in a grocery store, and, um, and I was getting my groceries, and, and, uh, uh, and, and I saw the lady, and I was kind of finishing, and, and she was, and there was a new register. Now, if you're at a, at a grocery store and, and you see a new register's opening, and, like, you're like, you want to be there first, right? Even if you're, you're, you're cheating, like, they were standing there. But I just wanted to win, even though I'm a pastor. And, and so I, I raced, and I, and, and, and I lost. And I'm kind of, like, looking at her like, man, she beat me. And, and I started thinking about, as adults, like, how many races we're in. Like, if we're racing, what are we racing for? And here's what I think that as it concerns our children, as it concerns, maybe you don't have biological children, but spiritual children, or even as it concerns a generation of young people in our communities, in our schools, in our cities, I think it's imperative for us as adults, us as parents, us as church leaders to get there first. I think we need to win in the race of holiness. I think we need to win in the race of, 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 of just this, this, this back and forth with culture. And if I'm honest, as I think about my kids, now my kids are adult children, and I, and I used to think that like younger, raising younger kids was harder until I had adult children. Come on, somebody like, who thinks they're grown, but you still pay some of their bills? Come on, is anybody... Like, you're not all the way grown. Because if I don't pay your car payment, you don't drive. So respect me, little joker. Come on, where y'all at, parents? Just Y'all know what I'm talking about. Watch your tone. Don't talk to your mama like that. Come on. I still whoop you, you know? But I think that culture with a lot of our young people are winning the race. That culture's kind of getting there first. And we think about this video game culture and this social media culture and this TikTok culture and, and, and we got people sliding in to our kids' DMs and we, and we got to protect our kids with all this online kind of software because what's happening is, is culture is raising our kids and we're having to undo what culture is doing because they got there first. And what if, even if, we have to redeem some things and we've got to make up some things. What if we just had the mindset that we're going to get there first? We're going to show them how to love God and love our spouses. And we're going to show them how to be good stewards of our finances. And we're going to show them how to be emotionally healthy and not be led by how you feel but what you know. What if we showed them that Godly marriage can work if you work it. What if we were, we were the ones that helped them with their identity and told them who they are? And we were the ones that, instead of them being at soccer games and basketball games and football games every Sunday, that we kind of like evaluated and weighed what we're robbing them from, from promoting the professional athlete that they'll never be. But not learning how to navigate hard moments in life that we know will happen. Well, what if we got there first? In fact, I've got a simple scripture today that 
kind of going to set the framework for our message. And it simply says this, children are a gift from the Lord and a reward from him. When they talk back, they're a gift from the Lord. Come on, somebody. When they don't do their chores, they're a gift from the Lord. How many of y'all need to be reminded of this scripture sometimes? Come on. I want to whoop my gift. I want to duct tape their mouths at times, my gift. Come on, somebody. Like, I was the kind of parent that when my kids would argue, like, I'm, I feel like I'm a good time. Like, I, I like to joke and things like that. I'd put them in the same T-shirt and make them just hug. And I'd put one T-shirt on them, and they would be crying. I'm like, I'm not letting you out of this T-shirt until y'all like each other. But if I'm honest, as 49 years old, I turn 50 next year, and I've got a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, and an 18-year-old. If I'm honest, I've got some regrets that I didn't get there first. In fact, my, 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 some of my kids have gone through some things in life that I have gone through, that my dad has gone through, that his dad or parents have gone through. And I'm like, I want to break this cycle. I want to come against this generational stronghold. But... I, I've got to get there first because if we're honest, if y'all if y'all would be honest with me today, whether you're watching online or at a campus, that the reason we're jacked up, the reason that life is hard, the reason that marriage is hard, the reason the reason that finances are hard, the reason one of the reasons that we are emotionally wounded is not because of what's going on now. It's because of our childhood trauma. Because of the things that have happened in our lives that maybe we got through it, but we're not over it. It's the things that, uh, uh, you know, maybe you grew up like me. Uh, I am, the, I am a, a product of being a child of family dysfunction. Any of y'all families jacked up? Come on, somebody. Like, yeah, man. Uh-huh. You don't have your hand up? <laughs> Might be your family. All right? Man, we... Some of us, we're not trying to be weird, we're just wounded. And if we're honest, if, if we had substance church, if we were in a small group, if we, we had parents, godly parents who, who, who didn't hide their dysfunction but, 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 but was vulnerable and transparent and emotionally and, and went to counseling. Oh, my God, the word counseling. We realized that maybe we could have, you know, we could have spared ourselves from some things because of what got there first. Can I tell you that you will always obey your thirst? Not just what you drink, but what you take in. The abuse or the emotional wounds that you might have experienced. And so wouldn't it be incumbent upon us to do better now that we know better, to make sure that our Kids, that godliness gets there first and worship gets there first and Bible reading gets there first and counseling gets there first. What if we treated the generation of young people like an oil change that said every 30 days I'm going to do something to change the trajectory of where they're going based off of culture instead of waiting to respond to something that happens that we want to fix after the fact of a bad decision that they made or something that they did. Remember, there are a reward. The word reward there in the Hebrew is the word work. Work. Your reward takes work. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know your kids take work? Come on, you're just like, they bad. How many of y'all got bad kids? Come on, raise your hand. <laughs> like, no, I'm sitting next to them. 
All right, let me, let me take it to another level. How many of you were bad kids? Come on, raise your hand. Like, like you're, you know, you, you may have arrived now, but come on, I want to see it. I want to see who's like me. Um, you, how many, like, professional sinners? Like, before I got saved, I sinned real good. Come on. Right. Uh-huh, some of you are like, Jesus, yes. <laughs> well, it's crazy that everything we've ever done and what we're capable of, our kids are. Y'all like, oh, now I get it. A reward, it takes work. It takes work, and I, I was um, thinking back when I was preparing for this message about, like, my first, like, injury. Any of y'all got a, a scar from, like, you're grown, but you got a scar from something that happened when you were 10, 12, 15, 16, 20? And I remember, you know, thinking about this thought, and I should have called my dad and asked him, could I give this illustration? But I'm grown. <laughs> he had one of those 10-speed bicycles, and he had the little plastic seat. It was like on the back of it, and I was a toddler. And I was riding with my dad. Now, I couldn't ride a bike myself. I, was, I guess my dad wanted to cruise through the neighborhood. Like, my dad was a prison warden. First of all, why are you riding a 10-speed? You're a grown man. <laughs> like back then, you know what I mean? Like, I, like it wasn't like a mountain bike or something that you want to go, and he didn't have, like, equipment. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like... He was just on a joyride, like you have a car. But he had me as a passenger and coming to a stop sign, a car was coming and the tires slid on some gravel and my dad crashed with me on the bike. It wasn't a good moment for him when he brought me home to my mother. I was scratched up, I was bleeding and the crazy thing is I thought about this message, I looked at my shoulder, I still got a scar from something that happened Almost 40 years ago, it still follows me. I still can remember it. And, and here's the deal. I didn't do it to myself. It's my dad's fault. And if we're honest, some of us have some scars that we're still carrying around from a different season. And I... I know this message is convicting. It, it is not condemnation. Trust me, because I'm working through this myself. I know this is a little heavy. First service was like, whoa, he's not laughing as much today. Because I'm, eternity is at stake for our kids. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like we need to get there first. See, if you go through Scripture and you look at Scripture, it is so easy as adults to read the Bible and look at the end product and what David did and what Moses did and what Mary did and what Jesus did. Do you know that all of these world changers were once children? A lot of the significant things that have happened in Scripture was done by teenagers. Like God spoke to teenagers. Come on now. Now can you imagine, like, you're a parent. Like, how many of y'all know that God has a Jeremiah 29, 11 plan and purpose for your kid. A plan and purpose for a generation of young people. That their behavior doesn't determine their capability or capacity for a breakthrough. Are y'all with me? So, so can you imagine if there's a Joseph in your house? If there's a Mary in your house, if there's a Jacob in your house, if there's a Paul in your house, uh, can you imagine if there's a Samson or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God has entrusted you with them? 
Can you imagine? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers in the fiery furnace. What kind of parents? What were they teaching them? That even when the parents weren't around, they didn't bow down. What, 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 what kind of music did their parents listen to? What kind of fights did they witness by their parents that they would have such a relationship with God of their own, not of their parents, that when facing a death sentence would trust God? Oh, my God. Can you imagine Mary? I'm talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, it's so easy to look at Mary because we sing the song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Every Christmas, stop singing that song. <laughs> Can you imagine Mary going to her parents? Hey, uh, mom and dad, I got to tell you something. I know it's not going to sit well, but this angel <laughs> just popped up in my room. Come on, y'all. Come on. You got to go there with me. And, and uh. I'm pregnant, <laughs> but I didn't sleep with anyone. Now, I want you to imagine your kids. Come on, somebody. Y'all be like, no way. Who was it? Every dad's looking for a shotgun. Where's Joseph? Come on, somebody. Let me find Joseph. You go to find Joseph. Joseph is having a tough conversation with his parents. Uh, Mom and dad, um, can you help me with this? My girlfriend's telling me that she's pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. What kind of parents, what kind of house was a Joseph raised in to believe in something that he's never seen and assist this 14-year-old girl to get to her destiny, to trust God that nothing is, I want to be the kind of parents, I, want, I believe God wants us to be the kind of parents that are getting there first that we are developing a spirituality and a trust and a relationship with God in our children that the Holy Spirit would show up in a bedroom when they're not at church. That's what I want to facilitate. That's what I want to do. I tell my son, man, you got to get it. He's 21 years old, so he knows everything. And I'm like, bro, you can't listen to that kind of music all the time. You are letting stuff in your spirit. You are, you, and you're going to obey your thirst. I need you to put some, I'm not saying cut it off, put some Mav in there. Put some Carrie Job in there. Come on, put some other stuff in there because what you fill yourself with is what will come out when life squeezes you. We are products of our childhood dysfunction. Culture is kicking our butts. Culture's winning. In fact, it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the message version, and I'm just going to skip down for sake of time to verse 2. Do not become so well adjusted to this culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Culture says, give your kids everything. Culture says, don't make them work for anything. Culture says, let them be them. Culture says, let them find their identity. That's what culture says. Christ says, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Christ says, come on, somebody, that no weapon formed against them is going to prosper. Christ says that they are the head and not the tail. Christ says that he owns them and he will never leave them or forsake them. Christ says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for your children, declares the Lord, plans to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. How about we lean on what Christ says and not what culture says? How about we put them in the house of God and not just leave them in the house by themselves to allow video games to pastor them? Uh-oh, it was like, he ain't had to say that. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. Remember, it takes work. I do not want culture to outwork me with the formation of my children. So, Pastor, how do we get there first? I'm glad you asked. Number one, we must be the first ones to train our children. Train, disciple, discipline. Another version says start. We got to win. And here's what I'm telling you. If something has already gotten there before you, you get a redo. Today is a redo. I'm going to get there first. I'm going to text my kid, my son, every day I love you. Every day is 21. And, and he went through some challenges in life about three years ago. And I told him, I put him on a year discipline plan. And I said, if you can follow this year discipline plan, we'll start a business together. And he did it. I gave him some incentive. I gave him something to look forward to, and we started an exotic car rental business in West Palm Beach, Florida, and every single day, I am with him. Every single day, I'm poured into his life. You know why? Because for his, almost his entire teenage years, I put more energy, more work into building a church, more work into building a platform, more work, and his behavior was not a result of what he wanted to do. His behavior was a result of who pastored him, culture. So now every day I get the opportunity to drive a nice car and be with my son. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. Trying to invest in him. Trying to redo some things. Trying to undo some things. So I want to train. This word train is, is train up a child. I want to give you the spiritual context of this. It was a Hebrew midwife. And when a woman would have a baby... They would have a midwife. They wouldn't go to an operating room. The midwife would come to their house to help them deliver this baby, deliver this child, deliver this promise, deliver what has been stored up for nine months. And, 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 and God would use the, the midwife to, to assist in the process. And when I did this study, I, I, I realized that the midwife would have grapes. And what the midwife would do is smash a grape. And the first taste that the infant would get was the grape juice in the mouth because they didn't want them to have an appetite for something other than what would be nourishing to them. And I thought about this message, get there first, and I looked at this scripture in Proverbs 22, and I realized that God is calling us as parents to be spiritual midwives, to give our children and a generation of people that a taste of forgiveness and a taste of grace and a taste of purpose and a taste of joy and a taste of peace, not just a taste of, of, of hardship and not just a taste of fighting with your spouse, but a taste of being in the house of God because I have learned that our children will obey their thirst and eventually they will go back to the thing that they remember first. Train your child up in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. When it comes to 
marriage, what taste do our kids have in their mouth? When it comes to arguing, arguing and fighting in a, like, I, you know, me and Irene speak on marriage and guess what? Married people fight. But the Bible says be angry and sin not. And are they viewing the kind of fight that's resulting in sin or the kind of fight that's resulting in forgiveness? I was praying, me and Carolyn were just at this conference and, and I preached the message uh, uh, about how to fail good and, and uh, about, you know, getting up from, from, from when life has put you down and afterwards the, there's a thousand kids, they all come to the altar and I jump off the stage and I'm praying for kids and, and there was this one kid, I was just like, hey man, what's your name? And he told me his name and in tears, he's crying and he's like this tall and, and he must have been 10 or 11 and I could just tell the pain. He didn't even know how to verbalize what was going on. I said, hey man, what can I, give me something specific. And he says, my parents are going through a divorce right now and I don't know what to do. My heart broke. And I just thought about like, well, really, what can he do? I said, God, I pray that you would be with this. I think his name was Jonathan. Jonathan, I pray that you'd be with Jonathan. I pray that you would give him peace. I, I pray, God, that you would give him hope that all things can be made new. And then I went to another prayer. God, give him an anointing to lay hands on his parents. God, if he is the seed of salvation... For his family, I pray that they will receive that seed in a life-giving way. Train up. God, train him. Train them. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because as I'm preaching this message, you wish you would have had somebody speaking into you. You wish that you didn't have to go through the things that you had to go through to get to where you are today. But let that not be the same wish that our children have when we have the wherewithal to do about, to do something about it today. We, we want to get there first. We got to train up our children, be the first ones to train them up. Number two, we've got to be the first ones to form our children. Form. Form takes work. Form takes our hands. I, I'm telling you right now, I'm realizing, like, my son is just a little me. Come on. Everything that I did, he wants to do. Like we were talking once and he was like, Dad, what kind of what, what kind of uh, 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 women were you, ladies were you attracted to before mom? I'm like, whoa, whoa, why are you asking me that? Like, what's, what's up? Like, that's a little private. And I told him, he was like, me too. And I was like, not anymore, I got mom. You know, I'm trying to explain it. He's like, no, you, you know, he's 21. He's like, I saw you. I'm like, you didn't see me nothing. <laughs> Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is it's incredible how our kids can be carbon copies of our dysfunction, and that's easy. But yet it's hard to be carbon copies of our destiny, and that's hard. Could there be an enemy who's seeking whom he may devour? Could the enemy be real? Could it not be their behavior, but the warfare of this? Now, now, now I just want you to pause for a second. Let's have a little fun. Remember all those who raised their hands and said that they were professional sinners? Imagine if you had a cell phone. Imagine if you had Snapchats. Imagine if you didn't have to go outside of your house to sin. But it came to you. Imagine if you had a DM. I would have been dangerous. So I need to ease up with my kids a little bit. Because they're facing things that I never faced. 
Sin comes to them. The enemy comes to them. I had to go out and seek it because my mama didn't play. I was a PK. I was real bad, y'all. Don't judge me. It's under the blood. Form. My son, when he was younger, my kids loved to play with Play-Doh, and, and uh, it was cheap, cheap toy, you know, Play-Doh. He would come to me. He would form something. Dad, look what I made. And I'd be like, a transformer. No, Dad, not a transformer. Look what I made. G.I. Joe. No, Dad, it's not G.I. Joe. So I would just guess, like, off the wall, football. He would get upset with me. I said, Jaden, I cannot guess what that is because I didn't form it. And I think sometimes we take a guess at our kid's purpose and our kid's destiny. And just because you made your kid doesn't mean you formed your child. In fact, in Jeremiah 1.5 it says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I don't know about you, but when, when, when you and your spouse or you had a, a child, did you go through the name book? We went through a name book. Like I was going through the name book trying to find a name for, for, for my first daughter. And, and I was like, Becky. Then I thought about it, I've never seen a black Becky. <laughs> never. You know what I'm saying? And then I have a son, I was like, Raquan. And then my wife is biracial, so I didn't know if my son was going to come out white or black. You know what I mean? So I was like, we got to wait. We got <laughs> to wait. He'll be confused. <laughs> I love to have fun. I love to make people laugh. So busy picking out a name. I wish I had spent more time picking out a purpose. You see, Scripture says this in, in Psalms 139, 13 and 16. And I won't read the whole thing, but it says this, you made me, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. I'm going to read the whole thing. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. While we were trying to figure out a name, God had already spoken a destiny. God had already spoken a purpose. God had already spoken uh, uh, eternity over our children. I believe it is imperative for us to get back in the presence of God and ask God, how do I raise these kids? What have you created them to be? Because what was birthed in the spirit must be maintained in the spirit. Man, I lead my conversations with my kids with so much frustration sometimes. And your kids ever do anything so crazy, you're like, what? Like, what were you thinking? My, my wife has something called CSC camp. Common sense camp. Because my kids, they're amazing, but they got to go through camp sometimes. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, I'm mad because I just want to eat or just want to be watch TV, and she'd be like, CSC moment. I'm like, oh, my God. And then they're adults, so I text them. And I said, listen, y'all leave, 
It's Tuesday. It's 9 o'clock. It's getting dark. Y'all go home because Tuesday is my night. We're not going to talk about that different message. <laughs> They're adults. So then I text them, and now you're messing it up because she's going to have an attitude about y'all, and I'm going to have to hear how you don't have no common sense for the whole night, and I'm going to be upset tomorrow because of you. Go home. <laughs> because they've been formed by something that didn't create it. Me or a moment or a wreck or a crash or just like us. As I've been in counseling lately, I've just been asking questions like, why do I think like this? Why do I react like this? Why is my first emotion distrust, mistrust? You know what it goes back to? Childhood dysfunction. I, I, can I just encourage us? Let's be so functional and so healthy. Not perfect, honest. That our, we lessen the weight of emotional trauma when our kids are adults. Let's think about Mary, Joseph, Jacob as kings. As world changers. Can you imagine if your kid is called the God of Abraham, I, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Can you imagine that? Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jaden. That's my son's name. I'd feel pretty good about that. Got to be there first to form them. The third one. We must be the first ones to anoint our kids. It says this in 1 Samuel 6, 13. So as David stood there amongst his brothers, Samuel took a flask of olive oil and brought and anointed David with the oil. And I love this. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David powerfully from that day on. Or another version says from that day forward. Here is a kid. He's out in the wilderness. There's seven other brothers in the house. Samuel's looking and has been told as the prophet to anoint the king of Israel, and he anoints a kid. Could it be that there's a king inside of your kid? Could it be there's a queen inside of your kid? Could it be that God has something that you could never imagine, and he wants you to be prophetic like Samuel and anoint your child with words of encouragement? Anoint your child with words of worship. Anoint your child with putting them in kids' ministry and student ministry. And see, I grew up in the house where church wasn't an option. My mama said, if you live under my roof, you're going to church. It's crazy to me how kids now tell us what they're going to do in the house we pay for. Come on, somebody. My mama had the mentality, I brought you in this world. And I'll take you out. Get your butt in church. I'd be out late at night when I was 20, 25, and I lived at home. Guess what? I had to go to church. I was in the club. Come on. Had a hangover. Don't you judge me. Come on. We worship. Y'all worship real good the next day. But under my mom's roof, under my parents' roof, there was rules and relationship that 
was putting a taste in my mouth. And here's the thing, guys. I wasn't smart growing up. I couldn't read growing up. I had a horrible stutter, like really bad. My mom would take me to a counselor, and I couldn't read. And I had dyslexia, and I had ADD, and I never got above a C. Ds and Fs. And, and my mom said, i never forget when she started telling me that one day you're going to preach the gospel, and, and one day you're going to travel all over the world, and one day God's going to use you to communicate. This is a stutterer. What was she doing? She was anointing me with her words. She, what she was doing, she was saying, my mom never called me my behavior. You just like your daddy. Bad kids. I, I, God help me. I told my kids, you just like your daddy, but I'm talking about me. You know what I'm saying? But how do we anoint our kids? My mom, real weird, but maybe it worked. We, we, we were broke. We were poor. We were so, we was poor. We were so poor we couldn't afford the last O and R. We was poor. <laughs> my mom would, she, she still today can fry some chicken. And Nate, when I was out in the world, when I was fighting, when I was around drugs and alcohol, when I was cursing and getting kicked out of school, I would wonder why I would come home, my room smelled like chicken grease. Because my mama we ain't have nothing, so my mama would take a little bit of the grease and she'd pray over it. And she said, God, that's all I got. And she would go throughout my room and anoint my pillow with oil and anoint my bedpost with oil. She would go on the TV remote and says, help him not to watch anything crazy on TV. Now to her, that wasn't chicken grease. To her, that was what God told her about me before I was formed in her you know what? One day it kicked in. It kicked in after I got kicked out of Bible college. Yeah, I mean, broke somebody's nose, put them in the hospital. It's crazy that even that racial slur, now God uses me all over the world to help people in that particular area. Because my mom anointed me. Maybe we need to anoint our kids by just sending a text every day that says, I love you. A scripture every other day. A devotional. A thought. Maybe it's not your kid. What young person can you see in the community that it could be very easy to judge by their lifestyle or their look? But God wants you to think about their legacy and say, hey, young person, I see you. just want you to know I see you up the good work. Me and Nate are going to go to the mall today because I, I want to shop. That's what I do. No judgment. I'm going to do that. I'm going to see a young person and be like, hey man, God has great things in store for you. I want to challenge you. If you don't have kids, if you're young, you're like, I ain't even got kids. I don't even know why he preached this. Because as kingdom people, every single person that we come into contact with could be a potential child of God. And if they're a child of God, God wants to use us as his children to speak into them. I feel this message. I don't want you to feel, some of y'all like, dang it. No, no, no. We do better when we know better. I don't want you to leave out of here condemned. I want you to feel the con so, such the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you send a text 
sit down and have a family meeting. You and your spouse get a plan together. Come together and say, what do we need to do to get there first? I know you may be sore. I know you might catch a cramp. Can you get back in the race? Get back in the race to get there first. I know you're like, man, I'm too old to run. Some of you got adult children. And it's, they're not 20s or 30s or 40s. What can you say? Can you say I'm sorry? Without going in detail? I just want you to know I'm sorry. Possible to give away something you haven't received. Some of us need to receive forgiveness. Because you're like, man, I jacked I was not a good parent. I cursed at my kids. When I, me and my wife were going through our dysfunction and Irene's addicted to alcohol and I was 420 pounds and taking pills and emotional issues, I was not a good dad. But you know what I've decided? get there first to affirm our children. I love this passage of scripture in Matthew 3, 17, and I'm done. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is God speaking over Jesus. What I love about this passage of scripture is Jesus really hadn't done a ton of amazing things yet, but his daddy spoke affirmation over him. I love in this passage of scripture, there's two things that I see working. Identity and affirmation. This is my son. I'm going to go home and be like, these are my kids. Good, bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the mess ups, the screw ups, the trophies, the trauma. It's my family. The Bible says, the powerful promise that everyone in my house will be saved. Pray for you, Sussex Church. Father, I pray right now, God, that no one would feel condemned. But God, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would compel us to do better because we know better. To be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus to our children. Train them. Form them. To anoint them. Help us to get back in the race.